Hey everybody, welcome to part two of our discussion with Anya Clock. As expected, we did run over on the first um, on the first episode. Fantastic discussion. If you like the first episode, you're really going to like what we get into in this one. This is part two. You know, like let's be honest, what a year for everybody. Um, we're not even a year really into um, into this pandemic, but for nonprofits, geez. Like seriously, um, we've, you know, you've got to imagine that most nonprofits are struggling, but, you know, we have seen areas do really well. Mm-hmm. We have, and clients of ours, partners of ours that have struggled mightily um, for whatever reason, maybe it's bad strategy, maybe it's whatever it, it may be. It may just be the industry they're in or the the, the mission, but we've also seen others do really well. And, you know, um, I want to talk a little bit, if, if you don't mind, Anya, about like, what have you seen um, that's working and maybe not working during this time? But maybe before that, um, for anybody who, if there is anybody listening, uh, <laughs> no, for this, in all seriousness, those, I'm, I'm listening. For, <laughs> I know, yeah. I can tell. Uh, uh, but those who do can to continue to support nonprofits mm-hmm. during this time. I think like, thank you for that. Um, you know, for, from everybody, uh, from us, from other nonprofits, you know, um, we need people to continue to support because, you know, kids still need to eat, mm-hmm. you know, um, people still need shelter. We still need research. We need to fund, um, you know, we still need to fund for, to try and find cures. We like there's, this stuff doesn't stop yeah. because there's a stay at home order. And, and I think we should kind of pat those people on the back who've continued to support everything and, and work in this space. And, but maybe on, you can talk a little bit about what, like, how do you, how do you navigate this? Type <laughs> stuff? How do you deal with it? Yeah. Well, I think, I think, uh, let, let's go back to our most recent experiences together. Um, is you know when this happened uh, in the U.S. in Los Angeles County, we were told on March the 13th, Friday the 13th, that we were all going to have to stay home for two weeks, and then we'd be coming back. And you know that has now, as you said, almost become a year of us not being you know in in our respective offices and being able to socially get together. And I think that that's problem number one, right? Is that if everybody had known that this was going to be a year that nobody was going to be allowed to have any events or in-person gatherings or, you know, speeches or whatever, dinners, whatever you do to make your money. Um, I think that people would have tackled it very differently. And what I remember very well is the week before we got shut down and I sent an email to, to everybody on my team and to you guys and said, what if this is the apocalypse? How are we going to handle our biggest fundraising season? Like, cause that's what we were about to come into. And it required an awful lot of creative thinking about what what could we make happen and then trying to sell it to people to participate when they were being told, oh, no, 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 this is only going to be two weeks. Oh, no, it'll be six weeks. Oh, it'll be eight weeks. And so everybody was like, well, we'll just wait. We'll just wait. We'll just wait. So I think there's a lot of things that all came together um, that that allowed uh, or didn't allow a lot of nonprofits to be creative in the space and try and figure out how they were going to go forward. In addition to having people understand the need for them to participate now, like to still go forward with their commitments or to give if they could. Um, I will tell you that 
particularly in my own personal network, I've seen a lot of foundations because, you know, they, they carry their money. Like, you know, they're usually spending 5% of the, of their overall, they have really stepped up. I mean, they are, they are realizing that, that nonprofits are in dire straits. And so they're loosening their purse strings a little bit and trying to get more money into the economy. Um, I think that I see, I see on the daily people who are grateful to still be employed and want to try and help in in whatever way is comfortable and it, that they're able to do. Um, so I think, I think there's a lot of, there's still a lot of good in people. Um, but I just think that it's, it's those two things of the, of the consumer slash donor, not knowing, like, should I continue to hold off because we're almost done with this or, you know, do and buying into this whole virtual space. I mean, I'm about to have to host a virtual gala and I'm actually really excited about it because that means that I can reach out to the alumni all over the country. and I'm not limited to the people who can come to the, the golf club and eat the, you know, chicken dinner. Um, so that's the thing, right? It is the reality. This is what's happened. The advantage right now is that consumers understand that, you know, yeah, the vaccine's getting out there, but this is going to go on for a little while longer. So they're more accepting of engaging in that virtual space. They're more forgiving of the fact that it takes a while for tax letters to get out and there's no face-to-face meetings for, for major gifts. They get all that now. They're not thinking, oh, I'll just wait two weeks and we'll, then I'll see if I want to do it. But you have to be in the virtual space. Figure out what the advantages of that is. Um, my 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 current head of school slash CEO, um, and he means this. He means this in the most positive, fabulous way. Um, so please, if you're listening and this offends you, just know that that is not his intent at all. But he says we should never let a good pandemic go to waste, right? Like figure out what you it never, is. Never, yeah. You never let a good crisis go to waste. No, you find no. a way to. You've got it. You either choose to fold it all in or you choose to persevere and fight your way out of it and come out stronger on the other side. And yep. you know, something that you said, I think is really um, important is that uh, from a strategic perspective, as you said, my audience is no longer, essentially my audience is no longer my neighborhood. My audience just became global mm-hmm. because no longer do I have to worry about the person who can come physically come to my event. No longer do I have to worry about, you know, um, well, the reality is now I can reach out to the whole world and, um, which creates a more competitive marketplace. But at the same time, you, because as a nonprofit, you're mission based, it allows you to go after people around the world who share that same desire to help that mission. And I think that right away is, uh, is just a great opportunity to, um, build the organizations. Is it maybe even created? for the lack of a better phrase, like a competitive advantage for not-for-profits. Because in addition to everything you just said on you about like people have kind of come to accept the fact like, okay, so this is the way this is going to be for a little while. Uh, We've kind of been in this a little bit longer than we thought, but we're still in it and we're still working through it. So like there's almost, I wouldn't say maybe not normalized, but people are coming to a general acceptance that, hey, this is this is the, I don't want to say new reality because everyone said that, but I haven't heard a better phrase for it yet. But this is kind of what we're dealing with as it goes forward from now on. But there is also, and I think it's relatively widespread, um, like there is also this general feeling of empathy and compassion that maybe has been brought to the surface a little bit more because of what's gone on. And a lot of those not-for-profits have been on the front of this. So all those healthcare organizations, those um, uh, critical care providers, um, first responders, like there are a lot of um, 
frontline stories about people giving selflessly, suffering, enduring, um, being the ones at the front of their community's response to this, this past pandemic. It's created this incredible feeling of empathy and compassion and genuine awareness and maybe heightened recognition for that sacrifice. Is this an opportunity for not-for-profits to maybe leverage that a little bit? And based on what you and Jeff said, a much more open marketplace, if I can say that, for you to be able to reach out more, more widely, more deeply, more broadly, um, can they leverage this maybe to fuel mission and tap into what maybe people are genuinely like ready to start to respond to more positively? Yeah, I would mean, say absolutely they can. They just have to have a willingness to do it. And that that is where we go back to the challenge where we started is do you have um, you know, real feeling people and empathetic people, or or do you have people who can see strategically what the opportunity is and they're willing to to go for it? Um, you know, I think that that there there are advantages to our current reality, and I see them all over the place. Are there a lot of disadvantages? Yeah, but I can't do anything about it, so don't focus on that. Like, just figure out what you can do. But you have to have a willingness at the top in order to do that. I think um, it, my more predatory Machiavellian side uh, would say that if you have the resources, you know, the last year would have been a great time to go on a shopping spree because media was at an all-time cheap, cheap, cheap price, um, you know, because nobody, they weren't, people weren't advertising because you couldn't, like, you know, all the big box retailers and stuff were open, but everybody else was closed. Um, you know, the restaurants were all closed, whether they were chains or not. So the prices of media dropped significantly and you could have got a huge bang for your buck if you were going in there. And people were stuck at home and desperate for content and desperate for stuff to do. You just have to have the willingness to do it. And that that is, as in my experience, um, in my experience, is a tricky thing to find when it comes to the nonprofit world. Is is people who are comfortable with taking that risk, and people who are comfortable enough with putting together a strategic plan in order to execute on something that will yield a result. So let me ask: This is a big question, though. So, is the model broken, or is it just a little battered? And if it's broken, can it be fixed or, or do we need to burn the whole place down before we, <laughs> before we start over? Listen, I think um, I, in, in my professional history, I have worked with people who do, who do see those opportunities, who are willing to spend money, who get it, right? Like it's, there are people out there in there. Um, I would say certainly in the U.S., the salaries have been going up in for executives and nonprofit. And so people do see it as a more viable, they, they'll be able to feed their families, right? Um, if they choose to go into the nonprofit space. So I might be a bit Pollyanna and I do have a, I have a tendency to, to be optimistic and look for the ways to amplify the good things that are happening. So I think it can be fixed, but it's going to take an awful lot for the public to understand that they need to not hold us to a greater standard than they're holding their their, their for-profit people right. that they shop from. So if there's somebody listening, let's, I mean, this is, there, there probably isn't, <laughs> but if there's somebody listening. <laughs> well, and, they're not and, listening right now, but they will. They're not listening right now, but, you know, if you could say something to, you know, someone who's in the 11th grade or 12th grade and, and starting to think of, of work in the nonprofit mm-hmm. space, I mean, obviously a very rewarding, but also hyper challenging environment to try to cut your teeth on. 
what advice would you give to to the the 18 year old on you yeah um one don't be scared of following this 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 passion or this choice because uh a lot of people will literally say things but you're so bright why why do you want to go do that um so one just just know that if that's what you're driven to it's okay it's you, you it's a great path to follow you will have an extraordinary rewarding life because you will be as long as you're good at it you'll be well compensated and you'll still get to feel like you're somehow part of a solution for what ails society on on so many different levels um but i would say don't get into this at least at least on the marketing and development side um i'm not going to speak to the program side of of nonprofits because it's not something that i have personal experience with but on that administrative side don't get into this unless you love trying to figure out how to solve a puzzle, how to make something work, and that you intuitively know how to look at an opportunity or an action that you know how to leverage it so you get 360 degrees of coverage on that and that you know how to amplify um, opportunities, that you don't just – that you want to push everything to the nth degree because that's what you have to do if you want to be a successful – nonprofit executive who is um, one, again, because you're 18, you care about this stuff, well compensated. And two, um, that you're actually doing the work of the mission and you're you're expanding the ability for that mission to, to happen. I love that. And maybe just I'm being conscious of your time on you. You've been very generous with us this afternoon, but you know, maybe as a as a final question, just building on what Mike just said, and I think the 18-year-old Anya would have listened to you, frankly, uh, <laughs> if you gave them that advice. And, and clearly they must have because here's where you are now. But maybe just as a follow-up, um, maybe in a similar way, what would you tell you know the, the marketing or the communications or the business development professional that's currently a not-for-profit that might be frustrated by some of the things that they're seeing on uh, seeing going on around them? What would you say to them as a, as a hey, Here's what you need to be thinking of as you come through this and and maybe what words of advice would you give them? Hire TMD. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, just a disclaimer to the audience, no money was exchanged in the proffering of that of that highly uh, that appreciated not, accolades. But yeah. That was that not, was not paid for. expected. <laughs> yeah. I, I think you guys, yeah, I bet you're all turning red. Um I I think that if you again Use your brain, find the right partners, figure out where your opportunities are. Don't mourn the the things that you cannot do right now. It's not going to serve your purpose. Figure out how to reach out to the people who are going to care about what you're doing. Again, partner with the right with the right companies, the right board members, the right volunteers who are actually going to hold you accountable for what you can do and not decimate you for what cannot happen right now. And I think if you just stay true to that North Star, um, you know, you'll come out of this, you'll come out of this pretty healthy and probably way stronger, in fact, because you'll know that you can cope with something as crazy as a global pandemic, and you're fine. And so the next time that you have trouble with your caterer or your printer messes up something, it's going to seem like a very, very small problem to solve. Anya, I can't thank you enough uh, for joining us today. Um, I think uh, of the few people that I would say I have learned such a tremendous amount from in the past few years, you are certainly one of them. Um, absolutely uh, inspirational. And I thank you for your um, 
your guidance and, and, and just your partnership uh, over the last few years. And I look forward to many years of friendship uh, now that we've managed to survive those first two. <laughs> um, but uh, thank you so much for, for, for joining us. This is uh, our inaugural episode and um, you are our first um, guest. And honestly, when we started kicking around the idea of who we wanted to, to chat with first, it was unanimous. And I think we all blurted your name out at the same time. <laughs> Um, so I can't thank you enough for today. Um, you're an absolute star. Um, continued success and, and send them lots of love your way. And, and please continue to stay healthy, uh, safe and well, you and your family. Thank you so much for this afternoon. An absolute pleasure. Great yeah. pleasure. Thank Anya, you all. I am actually completely shocked that um, we had an hour set aside for this and it's an hour and 36 minutes. I have no idea. Totally surprised that we went over on time because we've never done that before. Uh, <laughs> but no, really, uh, to echo what Dave said, thank you. Um, and uh, you're absolutely our favorite guest we've ever had on the show. Okay. <laughs> Appreciate that. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's yeah. an unbridled pleasure. Thank you yeah, very this, much. This Anya. has been great fun. I love talking to you guys. I'll do it anytime. And and like I said, guys, if, when you're listening, if you sit in the seat that I do, this is the type of relationship you want to have with your marketing company. This is what you need. It needs to be honest. It needs to be open. It needs to be frank. They need to be willing to challenge you and you challenge them. And you all need to have absolute clarity as to what it is that you're driving through in the long term, not just the short term. So if it's not TMD, this Trust me, what you've heard today, this is a relationship you want to have with your outside marketing company. Here, here. Sage words. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Anya. Enjoy the rest of your Friday. Stay safe down there. We love you. Take care. Thank Bye. you. Wow. What an absolutely incredible chat. Um, the thing I love about Anya the most is just she has this relentless passion and this, this limitless courage to speak truth to power. And it, it's so refreshing and she's just got so much insight to share. She might be that perfect balance of passion with expertise and experience, right? So like she talked about sometimes passion gets in the way of, of, of maybe, you know, putting the right people in the right place <clears throat> at the right time. But I would say that Anya brings that beautiful mix and that beautiful balance, which honestly we don't see very often where she has that deep intrinsic passion that's infectious. I mean, she was, you know, Jeff, I think back to that, um, that patio when we were having, um, after the one hour, one child event that they did where we were in Pasadena and we were sold and it was just that collective vision that she was able to present. But in the same regard, you knew that she was thinking about this differently. You knew she was thinking about, um, going after this mission's objectives in a way that was counterintuitive to a lot of what we'd seen in the not-for-profit space. And it was just so incredibly inspiring to see that collective balance of expertise, forward-thinking vision, and passion. Yeah, it's the, the inspiration, uh, you know, as a strategist, the in, inspiration of her strategy, you know, forget about even the mission, just the way that she approached how to do better was amazing. And then you layer on top of that, this incredible mission uh, that she's served. And I think even for her, 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 the bigger picture for her is that it's just about serving. And she wants to be a service to her community, to her people. And I think it, you know, it's just, again, and she's smart as shit. 
Yeah. She really is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And fun to talk to. Well, what an absolute joy. Like I think of all the conversations that we've had with her when we worked together and then certainly those that we've had subsequently, like I can't think of one where, and not, not in a, not in a confrontational way, but I can't think of one conversation like guys where she's actually challenged us to be better. She, she's always challenging us uh, to be better. She's always challenging us um, with, you know, um, bringing a different perspective and not settling for the way it's always been done before. But I'm not kidding. Like she might be one of the people that I've learned the most from over the past few years with the exception of you five folks. Um, <laughs> but I think that every time I spend time with Anya, I come out of there feeling like I've just learned something or she's just opened up yeah, something for me that I couldn't quite get my head around before. And it's uh, frankly, I miss that um, on a day-to-day basis because for a while there, we had it really good where we had access to her all the time. Um, and I'm thrilled with where she is now, absolutely, because she's going to bring tremendous value to that organization. But um, yeah, just a, what an incredible individual. Yeah. And, and what a great first guest. So Oh, for sure. For sure. Hey, we might have to... We might and have may, just and second, right? She might be our second <laughs> guest too. <laughs> yes, yeah, first went on so long. <laughs> the three-part mini-series. Hey, thanks for joining us today. If you like what you heard and have some thoughts you'd like to share, please do so at podcast at tmd.ca.